This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 200 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands on Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today, a special day, because it's our 200th episode, I couldn't have anyone else on this show but Monty Roberts and Jamie Jennings, our certified instructor, trainer of the year. These two are incredible. Stay tuned. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have Jen, my producer, with me today. Hi, Jen. Da, da, da. Happy to be here. I'm very excited about this episode. Not only because it's number 200, yeah. which in and of itself is quite an accomplishment in the podcasting universe. But also, this episode is going to be seriously meaty. Going to have some mm-hmm. really interesting conversations about horse training from the 30,000 foot view, which we do quite a bit of, but we're also going to have some really interesting conversations about horse training at a much more detailed level, which I think is going to be fun. And it's going to be cool because we've got Monty Roberts, Jamie Jennings, two different generations, two different disciplines. Jamie is an eventer. Monty is a, he does reining and Western disciplines and and also racing. And I guess racing is the crossover, isn't it? Because both Jamie okay. and Monty are very involved with racing thoroughbreds and also ex-racing thoroughbreds. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. OTTBs, the off-the-track thoroughbreds, and those that haven't even made it to the track yet. So there's starters, and there's also a vocational transitioning <laughs> going on, too. Yeah, I couldn't have two better experts. I used to say that dad was a mentor of Jamie, but now I call them the master and the mentor because Jamie is influencing so many people out there with her use of Monty's concepts on all these wonderful horses from Mustangs to thoroughbreds. And that's quite a diverse group, actually. Not too many people can say they work pretty well with both Mustangs and thoroughbreds almost daily. (laughs) It's it's, it's incredible. It's fascinating to listen carefully to this, people, because the overlap and the commonalities, I think this episode is a seminal lesson in how much different horse people from what appear on the surface to be such different backgrounds and different goals and different competition histories so far apart, and you put them down in the same room and you talk, it's there's so much common ground. It's crazy. Let's yeah, let's horses. hear from our title sponsor, Hands On Gloves. Commonality right there. Every horse in the world needs to experience Hands On Gloves. True. True. And then we're going to get right to our interview. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary new all-in-one shedding, bathing, grooming tool? Hands On Gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, 
leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-On is changing the way we bathe, deshed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-On gloves. They are fantastic. So I'm really excited right now to have both Jamie Jennings and Madi Roberts sitting in the same spot. We've done this once before, and actually it was super popular. So I thought I had you two land here today. Serendipity. We just found out you were coming and there's going to be some surprises on horses in the morning. So please go there and listen to that beautiful interview that they did today. But I stuck a recorder in their faces here and wanted to ask them a little bit about some of the common ground that I've seen you both working in now, both in thoroughbreds, bred for the racing, and in mustangs, very different breeds. Yet you both have dealt a lot in both of those breeds. And I think your experiences, uh, you have so much muscle memory in training both of those breeds. And I'll start with Dad, but I wanted you to tell us a little bit, and I'd like to hear, I think it'd be interesting to hear your different answers or responses to the statement that Dad has said for years, fast is slow and slow is fast. I agree that... Slow is fast and fast is slow. If the horse is told to go fast, in my opinion, they will go a little bit less fast than if you don't ask them to go fast, but you cause them to want to go fast. Now, that's not a difficult thing to do because horses are 50 million years old. And the ones that didn't go fast were eaten before they reproduced. And through survival of the fittest, the fastest ones were the ones that lived. And so you could go to each of the disciplines that horses do today. For instance, a lot of thoroughbreds play polo. Or you could go to racing. Or you could go to the eventing or hunting and jumping. And you would see horses that are relaxed Doing something because they want to, those are the champions. If you see those that are gritting their teeth and doing it because they're told to, Mm -hmm. you don't see the champions. And it's absolutely incredible how that philosophy can be carried through. And it's sitting here with Jamie, it's so nice to sit here and think about being at the spectrums. I was uh, in the world-class racehorses, thoroughbred racehorses for so long. And Jamie's taking the racehorses that are uh, retired (laughs) from the track. And both of us are working with Mustangs as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the spectrum. So we have the spectrum of the thoroughbred breed Mm -hmm. and we have the spectrum of horses throughout the world. The Mustang would be on one end of Equus, and the thoroughbred probably on the other end of Equus, if you think about the things they do. Yeah, it's a hard thing to explain to people that are uh, novice to horses how it is that slow gets to be fast. It's hard to explain it. But in fact, causing the horse to want to, that is the key. Not demanding from the horse to do it. That will slow things down. 
you can say positive thigmotaxis. That's the going into pain. So you want the horse to go fast, so you hit him across the hip with the, mm. with the bat, with a riding crop. And he slows up a little bit. Mm. No, he doesn't. My horse goes faster. You think he's going faster because he jumps from it and then starts to look back at it and sort of press into it and starts thinking about stop. It's curious that a lot of the highest trainers in the world, the highest place trainers in the world, failed to know that slow is fast. Mm. And fast is slow. Yeah. Jane? Well, I'm, I'm going to take it from the other end of it, which is I used to be an exercise writer, and I got to see a very good picture of what a racehorse's day is like on the track. And they bring him out, and they walk him, and they tack him, and they go to the track, and they run for as long as they're going to run, or they gallop, or they you know, do the jog or whatever. And they come back to the barn and they're hand walked and their, their existence and their work is, is probably about an hour of their day. Would you say Monty? Yeah, that's even maybe stretching it a (laughs) Mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. And then they, then they go to the stall. So I think one of the things that in the fast is slow and slow is fast is when I take these horses off the track and they get their rest and they get their rehabilitation and then they come to me. One of the things I do not do for quite some time is to get their blood going, mm-hmm. get their blood pressure up. I start these horses and the first ride, once I finally, I do a join up, we tack them up, I do some long lining, I make sure that they're, you can touch them in all their vulnerable areas and you can pick up their feet. And once I finally do get on them, be it the first day or the fifth day, that ride is two minutes. Everything is short. And it's because some guy told me one time <laughs> that you have to prove to the horse that their world has changed. And very quickly, they will learn that that is not demanded of them anymore. That speed, that getting the heart rate up. And I'm an inventor, and so much of our thing is to get these horses' heart rate up and get them fit and everything. Well, that's going to take longer than a horse that is going to relax coming out of the barn and has a better understanding of what is being asked of them. So I take these horses out and I do a two minute ride after the join up and the long lining and I sit on them for two minutes and I get off. They go, huh, (laughs) well, that was different. And then the next day, maybe I'll ride them for 10 minutes. And then the next day, 12 or two, it just depends on what the horse needs. And you just have to prove to them that their world has changed. And so slow is fast and fast is slow fits right into that. Because if I were to hurry up, we got to get on these horses, we got to move them. Everything is going to take a lot longer than me just taking two minutes to work this horse and proving to them that the world has changed. Mm. Yeah, the the only thing I could add to that, really, because everything she said is absolutely true. I might add that read your horse, ride them, she was saying, two minutes or 10 minutes or 12 minutes and gradually go up. That's good. But as you're riding them, read your horse. And when they start to take the reins and say, let's go, let's go. Yeah, that's good. I'll just get off now. And they'll start to do their work because they want to, not because you force them to do it. And some of the horses want to run away. 
So then you stop down that running away. And when they stop down and their pulse rate goes down and you can walk them in circles or even a straight line, then you get off. Then you're reading your horse to reward them for what you want to do and cause them some discomfort Mm -hmm. when they're doing what you don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. And they will take you. They will take you to the winner's circle that way. When you start forcing them, you're on your way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Okay, people will appreciate that, and so will the horses, eh? Jamie, what most do you want your students to take from Monty's more than anything? What is it that you feel like you really want to impart to your students? That, and then, and again, some guy told me this one time. Mm. This guy named Monty? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird. It's like he's right here. The thing that... I really try to really hammer home is that no one has the right to say you must or I will hurt you because, I mean, there's no because. There's just Mm. no one has the right to say that. And a lot of times when you say that, you show people times where they or their trainers have have said those words, mm-hmm. not verbally, but in their actions, have said, you must do this or I will hurt you. Mm-hmm. No one has a right to do that. And a lot of times I think people take that into their own life. Mm-hmm. Because humans, no one has the right to say you must or I will hurt you. So that to me is probably the biggest thing that I tried to let students know. Mm. And the horses as well as a, as a student. Mm. That's not just a horse thing. Yeah. And of course, that's one of my favorite sayings. And it becomes the favorite saying of each of the top students that I have because either they get it right in that regard or they get it wrong and the horses don't do well, so they're not a top student. Mm -hmm. But violence is never the answer. You could add to that. And um, simply reading the horse, and you need help when you're a, a beginning student. Somebody says to you, read your horse. Well, hell, I mean, if you're in the first grade and they throw you a dictionary and they say, read it, or even the Bible and say, read it, you can't read yet. But you have to learn to read your horse. So you you need help in those first and second grade lessons. And someone like Jamie is helping a lot of people learn those facts. Reading the horse is a matter of listening to your reins, listening to the mouth of the horse and what they're asking you to do and what they want to do. And then read your horse's speed going forward, comfort in turning left and right and so forth. And it is a complicated thing to get you out of the first grade and into the second grade. And once you start learning how to read a horse, then things become a lot easier and pretty functional. I mean, you watch a good trainer bringing a horse up through the categories after you've gone through the second grade, let's say, of learning to read a horse, you can sit on the warm-up pin of a top horse show and you can watch the good ones, the medium ones, and the bad ones and uh, make some sense of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. So you know Jamie's story and her journey here to learn your concepts. And what would you want most for students to emulate from Jamie? Well, you, you've already said it, that violence is never the answer, and I mean, no one has the right to say you must or I'll hurt you. 
I mean, things that you recognized in Jamie that you think her students should appreciate or that she would be encouraged by. Yeah, what I recognized in Jamie was that she had an open book. She had a desire to take information in and put it to work. And uh, she surprised me, really, because I, I did not anticipate that she would move to the level she is in any way, shape, or form. I have to plead guilty to minimizing her as a student in those first times that I met her. She was in her 30s already, and I think a, a child should be learning in the second grade. Uh, <laughs> you started a little young. I started very young. <laughs> At four years of age, I was writing in competition. And so you get a different perspective in your mind. Somebody in their upper 30s can't really learn that well. Jamie's one of those that learned so rapidly, starting at a late, a late time. Now, how about this? I have one called Simon Stokes in Germany, and he is a fantastic student of my concepts and is in the racing industry to the maximum. He's doing so well, it's incredible. And I think he was in his late 30s when I started with him in 1991. Mm. And he was a jump rider. He was a steeplechase jockey. Mm-hmm that whipped every stride, you know, and uh, those guys are crazy. But he saw things working with high-level thoroughbred horses, and he caught on and rode that bicycle up the hill, and he learned these things. And then there was Greg Ward. And yes, he was in his early 20s, but that's another lifetime away from where I started, And Greg Ward has some physical problems where he didn't have any lateral vision out of his right eye. And how in the heck do you make a good horseman out of that? When I said that to a fellow friend of ours, he said, I'm surprised that he's on a cheap horse, $350 horse, but that horse is Greg's horse. And right now, the way you've put it to me before, that horse is his teacher, Mm -hmm. and he's got a chance to make it. And Greg Ward won 16 world championships, more than I won. Hmm. Just had a fantastic career. So there you are, three of my top students in this world of ours started late, but learned it quick, Mm -hmm. are climbing a hill vastly faster than I ever made that same climb. Yeah, I've been at it a long time and I can help them and some of them can help me. We're still learning. We listen to one another and uh, little things happen that add one thing to another. Jamie and I are here talking about the top pole, training off Mm -hmm. pressure pole that her husband is going to make for when they go home. (laughs) And training off pressure is so valuable to the students. I'm just so proud of those top ones. Jake Harris in England and... uh, there's some fantastic ones all over, mm. over this world of ours. Over the really. world. Yeah, that's right. So I'm hearing open-minded and student for life, yeah. I think, is probably some of your points. Yeah. So, Jamie, how important is it for the horse's mind and well-being to have a job, a task, or a purpose, do you think? Oh, my gosh. I think it's unbelievably important. When I lived in Arizona, we had irrigation fields and you could walk down these fields, uh, kind of roads in between people's property and they were irrigation canals. And 
I would ride around and I would see every day these horses that just stood around that didn't have any jobs and nobody ever rode them. And, and I'm sure the people thought they were doing good by having this horse and wasn't, didn't have to work, you know, but then the horses get fat and mm. then they get laminitis. Mm. And there's, there's so many dangers that come with, I mean, look at humans. The obesity and heart disease and all the things that go along with sedentary lifestyles mm. are so very dangerous for people. And I think for horses too, the sedentary lifestyle is dangerous. And and I think too, yes, you may say, I can't exercise my horse anymore because he has a tendon injury or it has had, this has happened in the past and this has happened. Well, exercise their brain, get them learning, get them doing something, give them a, a, a sense of what's your favorite self worth. Yeah. What's something that you like to keep their brain engaged, even if they're maybe limited? Writing or not writing? Not writing? Well, let's say not writing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. One of the things I do all the time every day, and it's one of my favorite things to do is long lining. Uh-huh. And I'll set up obstacle courses in my arena and cones and poles and all that. And I will work, and part of it is to work on my skill, mm-hmm. but also long lining horses through these obstacle courses and really getting good at putting their feet exactly where you want. I did an expo, a demo in North Dakota this summer. And there was a girl whose horse was unsound and she couldn't ride him anymore, but she wanted to do something with her horse. And uh, her name was Kendra and Cash. And Cash came out and we taught him to longline. And she has her horse back. She's able to do something with her horse because she couldn't sit on him and put weight on his back or whatever. He just couldn't stay sound for it. And now I've given her a gift of doing something with her horse that's mm-hmm. connected and it takes skill and it's not lunging your horse in a circle and wearing them out. It's actually engaging their brain. Mm-hmm. And that's to me the most important part of before I even get on a horse, you have to engage their brain. You have to get them thinking about you. So long lining is by far my favorite. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that when you stop and think about it, we have to thank God for this survival of the fittest theme that God put these flight animals here on earth to survive through. The ambitious ones that stayed busy and paid attention made it through. And they had babies that did the same thing. Lazy horses were the dogs and the lions' best feed. And so they went quickly. And so the horses that have come through the 50 million years, 6,000 years, in domestication, they were the ones that wanted a job to do. They were anxious to do something every day, not just lay around and get fat. My word, if you think about it, the happiest horses in the world are horses that are doing something special. And they know it. It's unbelievable. You can just live with them and know how they feel. We kept uh, Shy Boy so busy throughout his life, and he's in his 29th year now, and we can't keep him very busy anymore because he's really in a wheelchair now, and he's really old, but he's still alive. And all every day comes and knickers to me, and he wants me to go do something with him. Um, so doing things with horses is definitely superior to letting them lead a sedentary life that just gives them no purpose 
in life. They get cranky, they get fat, they get dead. So I'm in favor of learning how to work them and causing them to want to do what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Do you do some trail riding too? I know you, you're pretty busy with all the horses that you're oh getting through for transition horses, but do you feel like that's an important part of balance in the I, horse's mind? Oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have trails. Um, mm. So I live on 20 acres and I have an arena and it's just kind of an open grass field, a part of it, the big pasture. But I have a neighbor, my next door neighbor, who his entire property is grown over and just a bunch of trees. Turns out he had cut trails in there to walk his dog. And he said, do you ever want to get your horse over here? We can put in a gate. And I'm like, yes. So the thing is, I have 20 acres of access to trails right next to my property, which is fantastic because every horse that comes to me is not sound to go jump and canter around and all that. So, so many of the horses are they're going to be trail horses. So what I do is I start them out and we, you know, once we leave the round pen, everything's incremental. We go from the round pen, then we go to the big arena. And then outside the arena is a front yard of a house and we walk around the front yard. And the next day we may go down the to the pond in the big pasture and walk around the pond and come back up. And then the next day, let's see how they do on the trail, you know? And like Monty says, the best thing to to have is a good gelding. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't spook is not quiet. And for those who have seen any of my training videos, you can see them on Facebook. I have the Duke mm-hmm. and he is 27 years old and he's the the, I call him the goat. He's the greatest of all time. <laughs> he is the best horse in the whole wide world. And I, I mean, babies can run on, t- jump on top of him and he just looks at him like, dang kids, you know? <laughs> so he leads the way on trail day and to have a really nice solid gelding in front of him that doesn't care if they, he bumps into him or whoever. And then they give a really good example because horses synchronize adrenaline. They're going to, find somebody calming to be around. Duke doesn't get affected by anybody anymore. He's like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> so anyway, having a good gelding and then taking him out on the trail, letting him hear the wind between the trees mm-hmm. and see the leaves blowing. You can't control when a leaf is going to blow. Might as well just teach them mm-hmm. how to deal with things around their legs and going through fences and going to new places. I think it's incredibly important. And again, if I didn't have access to that trail, I'd find something else to do because so many of the horses, they can't go run a jump. They have oscillates. They have tendons. They have knees. They have all sorts of things when they come off the racetrack or come to me with behavior problems too, that their owners are trying to put them in this one box and they might not fit in that box. So you have to figure out where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. So you do take the time to do that. It's super important. Problems. It doesn't take that long, though. I, I mean, I and it's fun. It. Yeah, that's so. it. If it's just around the, the block, even, it, it's yeah. something different that they don't do in an arena. Yeah. yeah. Good. Problem solving. I know this is still on the mental capacity of horses, but do you like to see problem solving in your horse? I know you would like them to work things out for themselves. You're very choice-based in your concepts. Yeah, I think that if a horse goes into an operation that is uh, perfect, that 
my concepts anyway, when they come into an operation where things are done properly and you follow the rules that we've been going over here, that there is really no problem solving. And they have a problem to solve us, to show us what they want to do. And then we have a problem to go do what they want to do and do it well. But at the same time, I love problem solving. It's kind of strange, isn't it? But I did 41 countries. Demonstrations in England was probably 100 different demonstrations, at least. And 41 countries and 4,000 horses. And what do you think was the favorite for the audience of all the demonstrations I did? We generally did four or five horses, and the last one was a non-loader. Mm-hmm. I think that's and how you pulled Jamie into this whole Sucked picture. me right in. Got you on the non-loader, yeah. The non-loaders, they would ride them to the demonstration. Yes, yeah, sometimes. They would put anesthetic in their vein and knock them down to get them in the trailer and come to the thing, or deep tranquilizer, at least, to get them there. Mm-hmm. All sorts of ways to come there with horses that haven't loaded in two years or three years or something. And um, there was a lady in uh, England that kept track and did a whole study on it. And she said that I worked with the horses eight minutes away from the trailer, two minutes at the trailer. And when I said, now I want the horse to load, the average was eight seconds that they were in the trailer. And boy, it makes you feel good to overcome things that maybe the horse has been to eight or 10 different trainers. We had one in Arizona that had been in a trailer accident and couldn't even see a trailer from his paddock without going crazy. And uh, they told me, no, you can't do that one. You know, you can't do that one. And uh, I said, that's the one I want to do. And he did well. So problem solving horses that run away. Jamie and I met over that problem and it wasn't very long at all to what she not only learned that horse and how to keep him from running away. But she learned a lot of things, almost the reverse for another horse that had a running away problem, but was solved in a different way. But with the same concepts in mind, that you found what the horse was comfortable with and you caused him to want to do it. And horses that buck and horses that kick and the farrier can't get near them, turn the clippers on and they go crazy. Horses that you can't touch the ears on. That one really has uh, taken me over because I do this thing. What do you call that thing when the it's half horse and half man? Centaur. Centaur. <laughs> My centaur demonstration is that when you get on another horse, you can touch his ears. Yeah. The horse that you bring that's a problem horse that you can't touch the ears. You get on a different horse and ride up to him, you can touch his ears. Why in the heck is that? Nobody ever sitting on a horse hurt his ears. It was the guy standing on the ground that Mm. twisted his ears for the farrier or twisted his ears for the veterinarian, put the twitch around an ear and crank it down and crazy things they do. But Centaur Man, you're up there and, oh, they'll think about it a little bit when your hand gets up around the ears, but they see that you're not standing on the ground. And it becomes a problem-solving condition that is so fun to do. Mm. And then I have somebody come in, feet on the ground, and come between us and start touching their ears while I'm touching the ears. 
And suddenly then some human beings are okay mm -hmm. to stand on the ground and touch the ears. So I have a lot of fun with problem solving. Mm -hmm. However, I would very much like it if the whole world didn't have to do any problem solving <laughs> and uh, everybody worked in a compatible way with the horse's mind so that they never caused problems. Mm. Well, that would be nice. I took it as problem solving, letting the horse solve problems. And I would like to say that I do not like horses that solve problems. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. Because I have a Mustang and his name is Zeus. And he was, his mother was captured pregnant and he was born in a holding facility in Nevada. And he lived there for six years. They must have hated him because he can open every That's gate. Right. <laughs> he can do anything there is. He can open double-ended D-snaps. <laughs> How? I padlocked his stall. It's open to the back, but I wanted him to stop going out the front. Yeah. And I put a padlock on. My farm sitter went by. She was like, Send me a picture of a padlock on the ground. I'm like, no, no. no. no, no. How did I don't know how that happened? So his problem solving stemmed from That's boredom. You know, yeah, he's yeah, high yeah. level. You've got to keep his brain busy. Oh mm -hmm. my gosh! So his problem solving is, you know, and he's a Mustang. And people always say, where does he, does he want to run to be free mm -hmm. and run to the hills <laughs> and celebrate his Mustang spirit? No, he goes to the feed room and opens yeah. the dang door and goes and <laughs> tries to eat all the grain. That. So, yeah, problem solving. Fully civilized. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's very happy to be domesticated. Mm -hmm. That's We've great. given them too little credit for their intelligence level. Most of the university work that I did had the horses right on the bottom of the list of all the animals we deal with for intelligence. And, uh, my, I've seen some incredible things And as far as memory is concerned, I'm 86 years old and I have no memory at all, especially things that happened today, recently. I can't remember anything. Horses never forget anything. I, I was bucked off of a horse one time that was scared by a pig in a particular lane at a sales yard where I was helping out. This is way back in the 1970s. And I was helping out there, and I went down this lane, and this pig grunted and squealed as something by the fence, and this horse bucked me off. And he was a nice horse, but he just needed to get away from something that was going to kill him. And I went back, it must have been about 12 years later, and I realized in my horseman-like mind, he might remember, and I'm going to trot down this same mm. pathway. And so I was kind of watching, you know, And he got to that point where that pig had been. And he didn't buck me off this time because I was ready for it, but he wanted to. He knew there was a pig there. And uh, they don't forget anything. And they don't forget the mistakes we make, even though we say, oh, I'm sorry, and give them a rub. And I didn't mean to do it that way. They remember what you did wrong. So making the fewest number of mistakes will get you your champions. They don't forget When you hit them and you say, rub it off, I'm just yeah. going to hit them and then I'm going to rub it rub off. It off yeah. Like it never happened. That's that's not a thing. No. They, yeah, no. You hit me in the face, I'm not going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> right. it, it doesn't rub off. No. No. no, it doesn't. 
Well, that was fun. So we are going to be able to see you two working together come June here at Flags Up Farms in, mm-hmm. in Solvang, California. And I'm really excited. We'll be into our fifth annual, The Movement. And we're going to have you back because we are all about the training of your concepts. But this year, we do a, a different theme every year, a little bit, variation. And this year is about health. So it's happiness, health, and horses, and how horses bring us health. They bring us health by getting outside. They bring us mental health, for sure. I think that's going to be important. But also, it's called the movement for a reason. I think movement creates health, and I think that's what you two are discussing today, is keep their mind healthy and moving and keep their bodies healthy and moving as much as we can. What do you look forward to in the movement well, this year? Well, Debbie, I, I think this year, we haven't done it before, I don't think, that the, the work we're doing with veterans mm-hmm. coming back with post-traumatic stress and the fact that when the horse trusts them, they know they can trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And they come back from wars not trusting themselves their wife, their children, the boss, they just don't trust anybody. And you can see that military life tends to wash the trust out of people. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It is not PTSD. It is PTSI. And injuries heal. And disorders tend not to heal. The thalidomide baby that's born with no legs is not going to heal. You can make legs for that baby and do things to help the baby. But that's a disorder. And so when you tell a military man coming back or just simply a person who is disorganized in their mind through some familial problems or whatever, if you tell them they have PTSD, you're sentencing them to a lifetime because a disorder doesn't heal. And it would be nice to show some of our rising stars out of the military thing in the the movement, how horses can help people because they're so honest and they're so predictable and they don't forget and they they can trust, but they don't trust until you earn it. And those people come in a very disoriented fashion. We do some preparatory work and we incrementally step up to the join-up process. And when that person gets it right and the horse comes walking up to them and puts their nose on their shoulder, some of them just about faint. Mm. And we've had some really, we had four years of uh, scientific study Mm. to determine the outcome of these efforts that we're making. And it shows that we're doing probably better than anybody else in the world. And give the credit to the horses because they're the ones doing the work with the people. We guide it. We point them in the right direction. But the horses do the work. And once you see a clinic of this sort where you have really people in trouble coming and you watch the horses take them over, and make them better. You fall in love with horses. I don't care who you are or how you think. You just have to fall in love with horses. And I have several people that have gone back to jobs that they had where they were dismissed because of the problems, and they got it back after they were here. And marriages that got back together and 
children that stayed at home and people that were bound to commit suicide and didn't and will now say, I was going to and I didn't and lay that credit on the horse's shoulders. It's only the credit that we deserve is the credit of seeing how it works and setting up those movements that cause the whole thing to come together for them. Mm. That's exciting. It's really fun that it's expanding and growing. Happiness, health, and horses. What do you look forward to seeing? At the- I don't think that there's anything I like doing more than hanging out with mm-hmm. the two of you and, and working horses with Monty. And to be able to share the concepts and, and share the ideas that you have, it's phenomenal to have a group of people because you sell tickets and you have people come out and it's a group of like-minded individuals who want to have a better way or to understand what we're doing out here and how important it is. And there's some people that have been to other trainers and had other ideas and, and it's so nice to be able to show them a better way and to see the light bulb go off in their head and, and I, I get an idea of what we do and what Monty's worked so hard for all these, you know, few short years doing. <laughs> so I'm just happy to be a part of it again. So uh, thank we're, you. We're excited. We wouldn't do it without oh, you. Please. Actually, <laughs> it's too much fun to have you here too. And we had a lot of fun last year. It's you know, our fifth anniversary, which is pretty incredible, actually. Um, started off as a, a bit of an idea and I think we'll keep her going. I think it's called the movement for a reason. I think we are making some headway. I think there are the live streaming that we did a couple of years ago was pretty impactful because we got to go around the world with that one. But I look forward to seeing you two work in the gentling pen again. To me, that's my favorite thing to do. We will, I believe this is like um, breaking news, but I believe we'll have a mountain trail experience too by then. So I hope people look forward to that. But maybe we can employ some of these concepts that you're talking about, keeping horses occupied and problem solving and exercised and some of those things too. So I look forward to how you will interpret those concepts and share with us how people can take those home to their horses. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio. Love having you too. Thank you for having us. Love you. Mean it. Let's talk about American Harvest. I spoke with the founder, John Paracha, this last week to share how well our transition horses are responding to his equine hemp pellets. That's what we've been feeding them while they're being trained for their next homes through adoption. Equine hemp utilizes their raw CBD technology and was designed by their veterinarian, Dr. Silver. They proudly utilize no chemical processing in the manufacturing of equine hemp, and it comes in four pound, two pound, and one pound packages. To get some for your horse today, go to ahihemp.com. That stands for American Harvest. So it's ahihemp.com. And you can sign up to receive 10% off on your first order while you're over there too. Charlotte, thank you. This is the Horse Sense with Charlotte Bradal baker segment. And we would love to have your insights on what are some of the most common problems that you see when you're judging horses in dressage? Many times you see in the horses and um, what I'm always looking for is harmony. I want to see a horse that looks really happy in his work with confidence in his rider and where there's a nice elastic connection from the horse's, I mean, from the rider's hand to the mouth. 
And a lot of times you'll see that is too strong. And, um, and because of that, the horse will behind the vertical or open mouth or, you know, with mouth issues. And mm-hmm. uh, we see, I think, too much of that. And I think that's one of the things that riders really need to strive for is that nice, like, rubber band elastic connection. So you judge for the, you judge for the harmony. Mm-hmm. Is that being yeah. taught out there, Charlotte, or is that um, well, I something? Think it, I think it definitely is, and just not by all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just like in any discipline, I, I just don't think it has much to do with the discipline. I think it's just each individual trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is something that is reflected in the behavior of the horse as well. Well, yeah, because you see, you'll see tension and you'll see different, usually mouth issues that the horse is opening his mouth or going behind the vertical line and trying to evade the bit bit Mm -hmm. because of of hands being too strong or too, where there's just not enough give. Yeah. And and you feel as a judge that you can reward these harmonious um, gestures. Yeah. Absolutely. You certainly can. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do judges talk about these qualities? Do judges confer with each other? Yeah, All Mm -hmm. the time. That's one of the things I love about judging is that the discussions we have are just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do all the time. On every break and dinner and stuff, we discuss all these things. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very educational for all of us to get each other's, you know, feedback. Right. And you're living in both worlds right now, so in shape and able to compete, but yet to be in the industry long enough to be granted a license to judge as well. That must be a small uh, club that you're in. Well, the International Judges Club, yes. Mm. The National, we have quite a few, but the uh, I've only been judging internationally for the last, I think, uh, five years now. Mm. So that's been just a whole, a whole new world to get into that. And of course, it's, mm. it's very, very interesting to judge around the world. I judged in Australia earlier this year and very interesting. And also in, in the different countries, the styles can be a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations for that. For all that you've accomplished, I want to have you back and you can tell us more about some of the travels that you've got coming up, which are pretty exotic. Thank you, Charlotte Bradal baker for Thank being with you. us today. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And I'm coming to you now to talk about the Monty Roberts Online University. You know, There ought to be six months in everybody's life where they just live with their animals. I've been staying home. But three months now, I've been home with this virus thing. And the things I'm learning, we're bringing you a new series. What horses see, how horses see, and about horses seeing things. The online university is bringing you the last three years of my learning process, which I promise you, is the learningest years I ever spent. The Monty Roberts Online University. Uh, You won't miss a minute of it if you get started on it. I love bringing it to you, and it's my shot to take my concepts to the next generation. Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. Because right here, we're in January, finishing up now with the introductory course, Module 1. That's the first steps to Monty's 
methods. Then February 3 through 5 will be Module 2, that's the join-up. Then 7 through 9 will be introductory to Module 3, and that's longlining, a little bit like we're going to talk about a lot in 2022. And introductory course, we've got a full introductory course, Module 4, preparation for the intro exams, is 10 through 12. So those people that have taken one, two, and three before, come back for your preparation of the intro exams right there. And then 14 through 18, February 14 through 18, we have a gentling wild horse course. And we'll be getting some fresh wild horses for that one. That's five days. And then we have behind that is the 21st through the 25th with Monty Special Training. And we'll be filming a lot of our online university. That's Monty Roberts University lessons in that. Then come March, we start off with a horse sense and healing for our veterans and first responders. That's the fourth through the sixth. So if you know anybody, call our office. We'll give you the number at the end of this podcast. And then March 8 through 10, we'll have those modules starting all over again. 8 through 10 is module one, first steps to Monty's methods. 15 through 17 is join up. 22 through 24 is longlining, and then 29 through 31 is the prep for the exams. Then April, we have introductory exams. Finally, we get to take those exams and go on in our certification. And then on April 9th, we have a Horsemanship 101. Those are really fun. That's a one day. Have fun with your girlfriends. Bring a mother-daughter, a father-daughter, whatever. It's it's a lot of fun. And it's just basics. And if you've been around horses your whole life, you're still going to learn things because it's got money spent on it. So April 22 through 24 is Horse Sense and Healing again for our veterans and first responders. Then April 25 through 29 is another Gentling Wild Horse course. Really excited about those this year. People are, they're, they're filling up, guys. So go fast. And then May Second through 13 are advanced exams. So those people that have gotten through all their exams uh, prior to this and are ready to take the advanced exams, sign up for May because we only get these once or twice a year, depending on signups, May 2 through 13. And then May 16 through June 3rd is an advanced course. So you have to take the advanced course and pass that and then intern a little bit before you take your advanced exams. So it sounds backwards, but we got a lot of people jamming into the advanced exams. It's a big pipeline. There's a long pipeline. It's a big pipeline, especially with COVID. We have a lot of people in the landing pattern coming in from Europe. So, And then June, long haul here, is June 6 through 10. We have another Gentling Wild Horse course. And then 17 through 19 is the Movement 2022. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in the coming months. And there may be some familiar characters from HRN we'll be talking to about it too. So. Save those dates, June 17 through 19, Movement 2022. And then we have another Horse Sense and Healing at the end of June 24 through 26. Dun, dun, dun. So basically, the way I look at this, you have stuff going on pretty much every single weekend for the next four months. Oh, yeah. We're... We love a good party, right? We, do, <laughs> we, we, we stay busy and have so a lot of fun. So if somebody just... They want to take a weekend or a couple of days and go, oh, my gosh, we need to get away, but we need to have a horse fix. They can come out to Solvang. Mm-hmm. They can contact Flag is Up Farms and say, hey, what's going on on day X, Y, and Z? And make a range and come out and visit the farm and look over top of the wall at the gentling pen and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, all that. So do that. So much fun. Solvang. I mean, you've got 
Danish capital of America. So there's Danish pastries and food coming out of your ears. Wine tasting, because we are next to Napa. We're the second biggest wine tasting area there is in Western United States, for sure. And we've got horses. So what better life is there? But a lot of fun. It does. When we were out there a few years back, A, the drive up from the airport was gorgeous. We took the coastal Mm. road. And we took the time to just aimlessly drive around some of the, I'm going to call them back roads, some of the country roads in that area. And it's just beautiful countryside. If you're the sort of person who likes to hop on a bicycle or just take a random automobile drive and have a picnic lunch in a field somewhere, it's a great place to do it. It is. It's known for that. So yes, we can brag on that because it ain't bragging if you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And for details about today's show... You can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's topics and guests. We also love your feedback. Follow us on Facebook. Monty's name on Facebook, of course, is Monty Roberts. You're going to look for the one with the little blue check mark. And on Twitter, as well as Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. And many thanks to our sponsor. Who's our title sponsor, Debbie? Oh, hands on gloves, hands down. (laughs) They're awesome. Uh, Awesome gloves. And if you haven't tried them yet, do it. There just is no better glove they last. And then also American Harvest, our newest lovely partner. We actually are feeding some supplements to transition horses. Stay tuned for some of the information on that because we're loving the results. And then, of course, our reason for being, MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That is our online university. We just went over, drumroll, our 700th lesson up there, Jen. It's amazing. It's amazing. And don't let the word university scare you because (laughs) it's it's just a well-organized, beautifully done video archive demonstrating Monty's methods with horses in a way that it takes short little topics and smooshes them down to little short bits so you can absorb it better. Think of it as YouTube, but better. Right. But we couldn't <laughs> call it elementary because it's pretty good. You can't. So we called it university. But it's also called university because it's not just Monty. We have lots and lots and lots of other really high-end professionals on there in really? their own disciplines too. Oh my gosh. We have Charlotte Bredahl, who is like the leading dressage judge now and mentor to the dressage champions in our nation now and has been an Olympic medalist at the So there's dressage. Then we have Will Simpson. There's jumping, right? He won the Olympic gold in Hong Kong, by the way. And we have Richard Winters. Everybody knows Richard Winters, mostly because of Sarah, his daughter. Yeah, Sarah yeah. But that's the reigning world and the road to the horse world and so much. To the rest of the world. So there's something for everybody. So there is something for everybody. Again, just, just like the rest of this show, there's so much that we have way more in common than we have that that's different mm-hmm. in the horse universe, just like that's in true. the universe in general. So we're going to end with that. So there you go. Yes. So be sure to visit all the other great shows too, though, on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And signing off, until next time, have many happy horse hours. Yay, 200. Yay!